All right. Hello, and welcome to Stasis Pod, the Transformers Robots in Disguise podcast. I'm Rob. I'm Jen. Watame did nothing wrong. I'm David. And yesterday, we the series has begun. We are now on to episode three of Robots in Disguise, the first regular episode after the first two after the two part pilot. Uh, this first aired April fourth, twenty fifteen, in the U.S. and various other dates in various other countries. Yeah, yeah, we can't keep track of how many there are. No. And, uh, yeah, so this, uh, this was written by Adam Beechin, who is, uh, one of the showrunners of this show and also co-wrote the pilot and will go on to write many episodes of it. Mm. And, uh, the other co-writer is Marsha Griffin, who has written all sorts of stuff that we have, uh, seen. Oh, yeah. That is a name that comes up a lot. Uh, interesting. This is her only episode of Robots in Disguise. Uh, we previously saw her co-writing Predacons Rising. Mm-hmm. Exciting and, uh, the movie. Yes. Time movie. That's right. A, a theatrical only on the hub event. <laughs> yes. And it looks like since then she's gone to write for a bunch of Marvel cartoons. Oh, okay. Uh, she's currently the co-executive producer of uh, that new Spider-Man cartoon. Okay. I do appreciate that we actually get a title name this time and it's not just called Pilot. Yes. Third episode. episode. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So we and uh, my first joke was that this is going to involve uh, you know, you know, oh, haha! Wouldn't it be funny if they were just trying to like catch each other like a trust exercise? That is literally what they are doing. <laughs> this is it. It starts off with one hundred percent a bad idea, just terrible idea. Well, it's half a bad idea because it turns out that Bumblebee and Grimlock are great at this. Well, okay, fine, <laughs> because mm. Grimlock actually is trying. And the other two actively just want to injure each other. <laughs> yes, and in fact, uh, Strongarm gets actively injured because her head hits a rock or something and her comm unit gets busted, which is going to be a plot point for the rest of the episode. Dun dun dun. So they, they end up getting into like a slap fight. <laughs> it's, it's, it's a very, <laughs> it does descend into like two eight year olds fighting. It's, it's pretty, pretty good. And as we, we see Bumblebee, who is literally being fireman-carried by uh, Grimlock. Yes, and he comes over like, come on, you two. And they're like... <laughs> Love lift us up where we belong. <laughs> uh, anyway, they all get summoned back to the scrapyard, and then they are watched from the shadows by a shadowy figure. Shadows, shadows, a shadowy, in the shadows. sexy figure <gasps> with the ears. Uh, everybody who uh, who enjoyed Zootopia a little too much, stay tuned. <laughs> I I uh, I did specifically in my notes refer to him as the Thirst Wolf. <laughs> I got metal sex wolf, but yeah, <laughs> metal wolf, sexy chaos. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we get the intro, which is not great. Aww. No, apparently I, the I've apparently the full intro did not air in North America, and it's actually pretty decent. Mm-hmm. But this one has like a very choppy remix. Yeah, and it's got sound effects layered over it. It's very short, even with the full version. Like it, it'd be nice if it had words, some singing, admittedly. Most Transformers cartoons end up with them just shouting robots in disguise over it, so it could be a lot worse. That That it, is literally what happens with this. <laughs> I I, uh, I use the longer version. Okay. Because it doesn't have the... It's not even shouting, it's just saying robots in disguise and slightly repeats. Yes. That's not good. remember like the worst Transformers opening. Was it was it Energon or Galaxy Force where they had like 
some actual DJ guy. That was Cybertron. Yeah. Autobots, Decepticons, go! (laughs) I mean, that's more energetic than this. Our worlds are in danger. (laughs) But no, I think the worst would be Energon, which was the somebody yelling Transformers, robots in disguise, and then what appeared to be the Transformers theme played on a an out of tune Casio keyboard. Yeah, I think yeah. that's the one I was think. Not the the Paul Oaken folder. That one, they're at least trying something, and it's very remember- silly. But they're trying something. I remember there being a really bad one in there, and I couldn't remember if it was. I mean, Robots in Disguise, the 2001 series, had a Computer? pretty bad intro song. Oh, that's but terrible. Yeah. The Energon one was exceptional. <laughs> and, and the Energon one, they're just not, they just weren't trying. See also the rest of Energon. Yeah, that's the thing is I couldn't remember if it was, if it, if I remembered that theme song being associated with Energon because I assume anything terrible from that approximate time period was from Energon. Uh, but yeah, I guess it, I was correct. It's definitely the least of those three themes. Uh, Armada actually kind of has like a decent version of it. Mm hmm. Although it, it is sometimes marred by uh, Rad, who wants to tell you about the Transformers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and then, as with, actually, a, a lot of Cybertron, they at least an attempt was made. Yes, an attempt was made. And here, an attempt was made, although I feel that the attempt was made, like, at uh, starting at, like, 7 o'clock on Sunday night. <laughs> sometimes you forgot that you had that major cartoon franchise opening credit song to do when you just kind of got to phone it in. Uh, not, not so much as a Justice Bolts and Gears in this one. <laughs> oh, if only we could have that. Anyway, so we, we, we get back to the junkyard and we are getting a distress call from uh, Oil Tanker Windward. <laughs> I am a Russian captain. Oh, th- that your I your accent's it, at least it funnier. Me, that the it reminded me of Peter Stormare. <laughs> like is somebody trying to do a Peter Stormare accent or trying to do a the worst Russian accent? It was, I guess, funny but not not a good accent. Also, uh, where is they this? asked me to do an accent and uh, Hunt for Red October was on TV last night. Where was, where oh, is very this in the country, like, geographically located, yeah. where there are Russian tankers? Like, I know that there are, I mean, believe me, having lived up, up on Lake Superior, I am aware that you get tankers on, like, inland Great Lakes and stuff, but... Like, where is this that there are Russian tankers pulling in? I, uh, yes, I, I came over with cousin Yakov Smirnov in the 80s. <laughs> yeah. He was comedian, I was, uh, I was boat captain. I mean, I have kind of missed, like, oh hey, we need a random incidental character, or a random incidental, like, one episode villain. So let's throw in a ridiculous accent slash impression. <laughs> you know, that that was a fun thing about G1 that yes. later series have not done anything with because times have changed. But No, I, I think part of it is that there there aren't a lot of contemporary figures who have, like, distinctly impressionable voices. Yeah, yeah. You, you can't just be like, you can't just do like a Peter Lorre impression and yeah. and oh. have that be 95% of your character. Yeah, that, that worked in the 80s because people remembered the 50s yes. who were voice actors then. Now it, it would be like people doing impressions of 80s impressions of Peter Lorre from the 50s. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, contemporary figures, you know, as, as the, we do live in a more enlightened age, but also it's very hard to do like a Taylor Swift impression. Yeah, yeah, that's fair. Yeah, but I, I guess you could, the best you're gonna get is like a Peter Stormare impression. I was gonna or say, something. or a Nicolas Cage. You could do like yeah, a yeah, Nicolas, Nicolas Cage. Yeah, Nicolas Cage, I don't know, like a Paul Giamatti. Uh, oh, but yeah, Paul Giamatti impression, that'd work. You're gonna have to go for more comedic actors. Kind yeah, of. you're, you, I guess you've still got your character actors, uh, uh, maybe, maybe, perhaps a uh, Kelsey Grammer. Kelsey, or uh, Werner Herzog's always good. Ah, uh, yes. 
the truly. We watch the penguins, the sadness <laughs> as the penguin walks to the center of the ice, alone, away from the other fr- others. He has no friends. He has no life. I'll, do not also, stop him. Mayday, our boat, our boat is sinking. You, you may do something about it, or you may not. <laughs> do, do not watch the video of Steel Jaw labeled bear action. It is not what you think. <laughs> Unless you're into that kind of thing. I think it's exactly what I think. Uh, no one should watch it. Uh, anyway, Pavel Chekhov here is uh, <laughs> calling in an SOS as we are under attack from a shark made of metal. A Sharktacon! And it is indeed a Sharktacon, and uh, there there was a Sharktacon on board. So uh, they figure, oh, well, it must, must be him then. Although I think we later see a second Sharktacon on the show. Um, yeah. Because they did reuse, like, they, they, they're pretty good about reusing models. Because they usually alter them enough so that it's a distinctly different guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, apparently uh, a guy named Ragebite. 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 That is definitely a name that a Sharktacon calls himself. Oh, bite with a Y. Uh, but this particular Sharktacon is uh, Hammerstrike. Yes. Yes. Uh, we will meet him shortly. Um, so anyway, the, uh, but there's also some uh, signals elsewhere, in the f- closer by in the forest. So Grimlock and B are going to... Uh, borrow one of Denny's gigantic boats and head out to the tanker and Sideswipe and Strongarm are going to have to check out the uh, the signals from a fugitive. To, to be fair, like, boats like that are absolutely a staple of junkyards, so I'm not surprised he would have a big pile of them, especially if I guess they're near the ocean? Question Apparently. mark? I think Crown City is on the coast, question mark. <laughs> Yes. Where is it? We don't know. Somewhere. It's located next to Star City. Oh, sure. Right around, right around Star City. Uh, hop, skip, and jump away from Metropolis. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's on the other coast, so that wouldn't work. Is it? What coast is this I on? Think, I think Star City is supposed to be West Coast, maybe. Wait, uh, oh, right. I think Star City is this... like, kind of like a fake Seattle. Yeah, which is kind of what this feels like. The look of this series with, with the trees and stuff just always just makes me think of, like, uh, around the Great Lakes. Oh, yeah. But apparently it's not. Well, I guess, I mean, you could have a freighter in the Great Lakes. I guess. Theoretically. Yeah. It looks like a really big body of water where you don't see land on either side. Well, that's well, the Great Lakes. They're, 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 you may have heard, but they're, they're big lakes. You might even say they're great. <laughs> I don't I guess I've never been in the middle of one. Ah. I mean, even if you get into, like, Lake St. Clair, which is adjacent to the Great Lakes, you still can't really just see land from certain points in it. Anyway, so uh, so they get there. Nobody is there, Russian or otherwise. But then they, they are under attack by a submarine. <gasps> a submarine that is a shark. Oh, no. Isn't it? He's like... Is he? I guess he is a submarine because when you see him, when he's sort of like on top of the water, it's a very speedboat look. But I guess it's like Mm. a very—it's not like a rounded submarine. He's like a a pointed submarine. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and he's sort of nuclear submarine shaped because they're kind of pointy at the front. But he's also like not giant. Captain, it is a nuclear vessel. Yeah, (laughs) it's a nuclear vessel. And I also yeah, he forgot, should have had the Russian accent. But. I also forgot to mention that Fixit remains desperately lonely yes. oh, yeah. because he wants uh, he wants them to bring him back like a rock or a soil sample or something. Also, he he gives mm. them a new capture device, and and Bumblebee's like, "Is it going to work this time?" And, and <laughs> or are you sure? Are you sure it won't work? Fixit's like, <laughs> "Not really." I, I love fixing. <laughs> he's he's mm. good. He's so lonely. Please, I'll, I'll have to keep me company as the small child. His small alien child. And, and his wacky dad. <laughs> Their antics. They both require an adult, and that is unfortunately me. <laughs> 
I just really liked him being so like haha about the capture device not working. Yeah, you, you kind of see why they put this guy all alone on a prison barge. Yeah, you would think that maybe they wouldn't have like put him made him responsible for quite so many actual prisoners. Well, clearly it wasn't a good idea. Yes. <laughs> it was not. So anyway, the uh, the submarine transforms into a hammerhead shark man. <gasps> dun dun dun, who is mm. also and... still has a uh, not a Russian accent, but still a funny accent. Yes, it's kind of like a British like a cultured pirate voice. Or I was thinking Australian maybe. It it's hard to pin down. I, yeah, I and, would uh, say maybe course... nautical British. And of mm. course, it is our pal and yours, uh, David K. Ooh. Yay, which I didn't even notice. I, I yes. should have looked that up beforehand so I could appreciate it better. And you, he, the, the David K definitely comes through at certain spots. Yeah, yeah, I can see that. And unfortunately, he is one of the many, many robots in disguise Decepticons without a proper toy. Aww. Yeah. He has a Creo guy and a Tiny Titan. It is sort of like I really appreciate that they had the fe- the freedom for the show to just make characters up, but it is kind of regrettable that it wasn't tied better to the toy line. I, I wanted the shark man, yeah, yes. because he is a cool looking shark man. Yeah, well, but he transforms wanted... into a boat, and we get so few boat related toys, that especially true. now. I, I wanted the yeah. crow, so yeah, all right, crow would have been better. And, uh, yeah, apparently he is Cybertron's most famous pirate. Sure, um, so, I'm, Cannonball and, and quite a few others have, uh, arguments with that. Oh, what's the, the pirate guy that was in a line? We, we brought him up previously. Oh, Thundertron? Yes, Thundertron. It's such Ooh. a bad name. Well, maybe those guys didn't live on Cybertron, though. I guess. They were like space pirates. He's like a sea pirate. Yeah. Oh. So he's Though, a low Okay, so pirate. at this point, this does raise the question of, of liquid on Cybertron, which I guess was going to be raised pretty soon regardless, because we do have a number of uh, aquatic-themed Decepticons. Yes. Uh, though apparently it is not just water, because it does come up that, that he's looking for something more viscous than water. So yes. presumably... Yeah. I assume, I mean, I guess it wouldn't have to be, like, a transparent fluid, because they do have other sensors and stuff that they could probably see, even if it was an opaque fluid, but I have a lot I mean, of questions. It, it could be viscous and clear, like corn syrup. Mmm, mm. corn syrup, yes. So, so yes, apparently they do have some sort Naturally of... Naturally occurring corn syrup. <laughs> yes. Naturally, I think that's just called corn. <laughs> but uh, apparently, Cybertron does currently, whether it did in the past or not, uh, have some sort of fluid, viscous fluid bodies of not water. So, it, yeah. Good to although know. it's not as nice as Earth's, because Bumblebee is all, "Hey, you know, Grimlock, check this out. It's 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 so beautiful out here. Earth's bodies of water. Yeah, yeah. they've they've got so much life in them, like these Sharktacons." Yeah. Yeah, and also they're not, like, viscous and goopy and full of pirates. <laughs> yeah, Cybertron's probably full of pirates. Yeah, well, well, I guess one fewer, because the, they sent this guy to jail. Yes. Yeah. And uh, and I guess uh, the penalty for piracy on Cybertron is not drawing and quartering. <laughs> no, it's just going in a stasis pod. Well, drawing and quartering so it, might not entirely be affected, because... A guy could just split into all those body parts and run away. Well, stay tuned for next episode. Oh, yeah. But yeah, they're out there uh, on the ocean, and Grimlock wants to punch the ocean or anything in it. Oh, no, do they say ocean? Actually, I think, I I don't know, I think they do say ocean, yes. Okay, so it's got to be... Yeah, so I guess we do establish here that this is a... uh, it's a coastal city, though whether that continues to be the case in future episodes, I yeah. guess we'll find out later. Yes. yes. You know, it's like Springfield. It's got a coast, it's got a big desert, yeah. it's got a bunch of farms around it. It's got whatever it needs at the moment. What, uh, well, we, if it we, has all those things, I guess Springfield is in New Jersey. <laughs> if you count the Pine Barrens, is it a desert? It, well, no, it sure. isn't, isn't at the same time. <laughs> it's by the coast. 
Uh, anywho, anyway, yeah. So the uh, so Grimlock jumps in, sinks to the bottom, and cannot get back up. Yes, this <laughs> plan was not thought out. It's Godzilla time. It's time for just walking along the bottom of the Godzilla's sea. really good at swimming. Have you not seen the recent movies? Oh, I thought he just, like, he li- walked along the bottom of the sea. No. He lives in Atlantis. Well, well yes. In Atlantis I guess in the like- recent one he did swim, yes. He was swimming alongside aircraft carriers and stuff. and just. I think he swims in the, uh, the Matthew Broderick one, too. Probably. <laughs> yes. Because he gets to New York, and I, I'm, I'm not sure New York yes. Harbor is... Actually, I'm not sure of the structure of New York Harbor. It might be deep. Yeah, somehow he gets from Japan to New York. Yeah, the, well, uh, that movie does not make any sense if uh, in any examination. I mean... It's a worm guy. I mean, either that or they were really not paying attention one day at the uh, Panama Canal. <laughs> yes. Tanker boat, tanker boat, giant lizard. A man, a plan, a giant iguana in a can. <laughs> Uh, somebody get me a worm scientist. But he has walked onto shore in yes. previous. Oh, I mean, I think he usually like by the time he gets to shore, it's it's like when you, you know a person's swimming in the ocean, yeah. but then they like walk up to the shore. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Fine. The point is, Grimlock cannot swim. No, no, despite no he his, cannot. Despite his very U.S. Godzilla chin, he cannot swim. No, all he can do is yell at some fish. <laughs> Well, he, he's does. kind of uh, wider, so I guess he's not designed for waggling his tail as easily. He, he is not hydrodynamic. Not no, really. he's not. Poor guy. And Bumblebee does—he does, he does uh, manage to get the better of Hammerstrike, but then the Coast Guard gets there, and Hammerstrike uh, vamoose is out of there. Yes, it's oh. very convenient that the Decepticons seem to also, while not. Saying that they're interested in preserving any kind of cover, they do at least seem to manage to not blow everybody's cover by running around yes. as robots. And meanwhile, back uh, back on solid ground, uh, Sideswipe and uh, Strongarm have split up over her stated objections. <laughs> Good job. And of course, it is her who runs into uh, Steeljaw. Who uh, quickly renders her unconscious, and then ties her up with a big chain. So when when he first shows up, like for the first couple seconds, you see it. They don't do this consistently, but for the first moment he's on screen, his ears are really emotive. Yeah, they they perk yes. and tweak and, and the very cartoon furry fox face with emotive ears. <laughs> it, it does seem to, to not happen as much as the episode goes on, but he's a lot of body language going on and smooth talking, trying to be, no, no, I'm, I'm just an innocent Decepticon lost on this world, trying to start a new life and not cause problems oh, yeah. and whoops, your gun's gone. Yeah. As soon <laughs> yes. as uh, Stronger wakes up, he's all, hey girl. Yeah. He, he's, I, like I, like I said before, he's very sexy. He is definitely created by someone who understands the appeal. Hey, have you ever seen that movie, Robin Hood? No, no, not alone with Kevin Costner. <laughs> yeah, yes. and I remembered a lot of people really liked Steeljaw. I forgot that his very first introduction is, oh, he's a smooth wolf. Wow. Yes, he is and, like, uh, he's... He's what Starscream aspires to be. Yes. Like, Starscream yes. doesn't have the subtlety to be like this, but he would love to. Well, he, he's a Starscream, and I, I think we can tell you now that, you know, there's no Megatron in this series, so he doesn't have anybody to continually betray. Yeah. Yes. Just everyone else uh, he runs into. And uh, he was voiced by Troy Baker, a uh, very prolific voice actor. Yeah. Uh, he is, I think, the main guy in The Last of Us. Sure. He Video is uh, Marvel's go-to Hawkeye and Loki guy. Oh, okay. He pops up in a bunch of anime as a smooth-talking guy. Like, uh, he's Greed in Full Metal Alchemist. Brotherhood? I think I forget if he's in the Wasn't first he... version. But... Was he on, like, a... I'm I'm probably mixing him up with like D. Bradley Baker, actually. 
was going to say, wasn't he on, like, a TV show or something? Probably? No, I don't, nothing springs to mind, I don't but think. But I'm, I'm probably think, mixing him up with voice? D. Bradley oh. Baker. Yeah, his IMDb just looks like... D. Bradley Baker gets around a lot. ...voice stuff. Who is also a voice person, but also a face person. I'm reasonably sure D. Bradley Baker is going to show up at some point during Robots in Disguise. Probably. Would not be surprised. <laughs> probably. So, basically, the point is Steeljaw, very sexy and very, mm. like manipulative like he knows exactly the right thing to say yeah he's all no no i was i was a guard on the alchemar so so why do you have a decepticon symbol oh so i could uh blend in yeah that's the ticket (laughs) yes except it's you know the funny thing is i think i've mentioned before and with with other characters how it's always like not done convincingly so that it's at least communicated to the viewer what's going on, but Ooh. like they don't even do that. Like you could totally think that Steeljaw is actually he he's good. He's real yeah. good and they don't even try to have him act like he's not. No. So anyway, everybody is uh ever the so uh sideswipe goes back to the uh uh, the scrapyard, having not realized that any of this is happening, and he just finds that uh, that Fixit and Russell are there, and they're all, uh, yeah, we got a message from Steeljaw or from Strongarm, and uh, things are bad. You should go find her. Mm. <laughs> yeah, she's uh, run into some mm. trouble. And then Russell goes with him to find uh, to find her. Yes, because Russell is the adult here, <laughs> the other adult, I guess. Russell and Fixit are the adults. Yes. So Bumblebee and Grimlock, they come back. They're they're very wet, and only Fixit remains in the scrapyard. <laughs> so he, uh, you know, he looks up the uh, the shark cons and he goes, "Oh, well, they like being in viscous fluids. So maybe he's going to flood the sea with oil, which would be bad." Yes. Also, they they mm. said that Grimlock had a bath. Yes, and he definitely yeah. looks like. A dog who has yes. had a bath. Very wet and <laughs> Very sad. sad and bedraggled. He probably also smells bad. Yeah, probably. Much like a wet dog. Yes. And hey, luckily, uh, Denny is there, and he's all, well, hey, if he wants oil, there is a refinery that is close by, and get ready to take a drink, everybody, because it is Robots in Disguise's favorite plot convenience. That refinery, totally automated. <gasps> yeah. Yay! Convenient. It, it is overly convenient in this series. I mean, this is going to happen a lot. It made sense in animated because <laughs> that was all about automation and robots everywhere. Mm-hmm. But um, here, why, why so many things in this near this big city are just automated and empty and no thing. And at le- this series, at least there are other people models, as we will see, other than just yes. like the four that were in prime. Well, it's, it is the future. Maybe everybody's been replaced by robots. <laughs> I mean, apparently they have, if everything is automated. Well, yes. if if you live near Maine, yes, and there's robots defending a city. Well, well yes. <laughs> well, in fact, we, we, we may get a uh, tune into next episode when we maybe get some hints about uh, rescue bots. Yeah, oh. that was interesting. So, so they decide, you know, we are gonna we are gonna beat feet to this refinery and figure out what's going on there. Yes. So anyway, they uh, Russell and Sideswipe they are uh, they find this old ranger station. It looks like Steeljaw has been there, but he has not taken all this fluorescent paint. It's convenient fluorescent yeah. paint. Well, I mean, they at least explain why it's there. Yeah. You you mark trees with it or something and. You know, Sideswipe is all, well, you know, why should I even bother rescuing Stronger? Because if she's alive, she'll still be mean to me. <laughs> I mean, she'll never respect you if she's dead. Hmm. Yes. And I'll, and then Russell has to say, well, you know, she'll ne- also never respect you if you continue to be Sideswipe. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Like, you have to put a little work into it, Sideswipe. Come on. Again, Russell is the adult. <laughs> So, so they do find him. Steeljaw is Steeljaw is still trying to uh, sway Strongarm to his side and or put the moves on her. Yeah, but like 
she's in chains. He found a lot of chains and tied her up. And, and like, on Netflix, like, as the episode was loading, because apparently it takes a while for things to load for me. So for, like, a minute, I was staring at this image of strong arm in chains in bondage just just sitting there it's like i guess i get even more why there was so much fan art about this series like there's that and and everything with steel jaw yes he's like the male version of like I don't know, black arachnia. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So, so strong arm. Do you like movies about werewolves? <laughs> <laughs> so I, I really appreciate Sideswipe's assessment of the situation when they're, they're watching and, and, you know, he's seeing Steel Jaw and he goes, I don't trust him. He's too cool. Yes. Yes. <laughs> And for, like, a lot of times when characters in series say shit like that, it's like, oh, th- oh, this guy's cool. Usually it's like, no, that comes off as bullshit. This is one of the rare times when it's like, he's right. Yeah, <laughs> he he's right. This guy is obviously just, like, a smooth talker. Yes, and he's trying to, you know, he, you know, I don't, you know, I don't want to conquer the galaxy or anything. I just want to build a new Decepticon society. Yep, here on Earth, away from the others, away from Cybertron. Just a, a 365-day Anthrocon. <laughs> oh, God. Oh, it, it is. A, a regular Zootopia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's saying that, you know, he wants to... But the the what he's trying to convince them of... Is that this is so they can live in peace and escape their criminal pasts and go straight. Which is... No, he's not going to do that. Yeah. Yeah, so he's all, hey, so you know, why don't you just tell me you know, how many of you there are, where you live. And she is none. She is a little too wise to that. What? Slowly. Why don't you tell me the last four of your social, your mother's maiden name, <laughs> the town you were born. It, it, she almost starts telling too much and, and then she yes. catches herself. It's like, Steeljaw is so much like a chaotic, neutral D&D player. It's like he's just a rogue or, oh no, no, he's a bard trying to con everyone and get his way and break into places and, and, and it's working mostly. But then he's uh, he's met by another Decepticon refugee, the shadowy and spiky Grimby. Uh, th- this is this would have. I feel like there was a lost opportunity to just turn him into G two sideswipe here, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yes, they Russell put a bunch of like. They painted a Decepticon symbol over his Autobot symbol. He's got his little battle mask thing on, and then he's just got, like, a bunch of pieces of wood, like, boards stuck to him. And and there's also an axe in there. It's very weird, like, (laughs) why he went to that degree. It's like, it's not like any Decepticons have ever met Sideswipe before, especially on this planet. I mean, putting the mask on the paint, yeah, that makes sense. But why, why all the boards? Well, as we see, very few of them are just regular guys, though. Yeah, but uh, it seems it seems that this was the all the oops all animal guys prison ship. I'm actually trying to remember how many like, I mean not a not as many of them are as animal as shark guy and and well steel steel joys humanoid shaped. He's just he's got a wolf head and he has a wolf tail that just wagging around. Yep. Yes, he does. I feel like none of the toys ever really like. Did his tail justice because he's got a really I good his, tail. He's got a decent tail on the one. I mean, they, on the, the deluxe the, is okay. It's but, there, yeah. but it's not as magnificent as it is. Show. Well, no, no, it's very impressive. Oh, hey, in in, in the new Kingdom line of, of Transformers toys, we should get a steel jaw. Yes, yes. guys, come yes. on. Yes, he can transform into a wolf. I don't care. Just just more accurate to his robot mode. Yes. And uh, I actually do we we do do we see his vehicle mode on this episode? Nope, he doesn't transform, no. or we don't see him transform. I no, I think he runs away at the end, and I think we yeah, yeah we, he's we just do running. see it later. He he basically turns into the wolf mobile. 
Well, it, it's sort of um, SUV truck thing, off-road kind of. But it also looks like a wolf's head. Yeah. It kind of does, yeah. If you squint, kind of. Like, like if Batman had a wolf crash through his window instead of oh, a bat. Yeah. That's what he would drive yeah, around. It, it's If Batman was wolf-themed, he would have designed that, yeah. Yes, Father, I shall become a wolf. And that would be more impressive than a bat, honestly, because wolves are actual apex predators. And Werewolf by night needs a car. Yes, he does. <laughs> also, probably a shirt, given considerations, <laughs> depending on the, the particular events. Anyway, uh, back in the other plot, um, they have uh, they have tracked down Hammerstrike to this uh, to this refinery, and as as previously, he is very upset that the Autobots have made him walk on land, which he resents. He does. Yeah. He's oh, yeah, very he's, angry about it. He had a line earlier like he's going to have um, a land scent all over him. Yes. Yes. And he, all, all, his, uh, all his comrades from the Gorgian depths will be, uh, won't talk to him anymore. Aww. <laughs> so they, uh, you know, he's... He opens up this uh, this oil pipe. Everybody's skidding. Everybody's sliding around in this oil like it's the end of the transporter. Yeah, it's pretty great. It was like oil skating, oil dancing. It's all kind of action on oil. Yes, but Getting then all slippery up. action. But then, via the power of teamwork, uh, Bumblebee manages oh. to push. Oh, when, uh, when the fighting starts, though. Mm-hmm. Oh no, the dub steps back. Yes. <laughs> I'm a little surprised that at no point does anybody ever ignite any of this oil. Yeah, well, yeah. they're being careful. I mean, that would be... I feel well, like that like, would raise the stakes beyond what yeah, we're trying to do they here. Are, there are big metal robots, like, scraping around. I guess it is good that they don't really punch each other. Well, no. Bumblebee does kick the shark, so that should have raged the spark. Well, well, yeah, he, he sort of mm. pushes him towards Grimlock, who then shoves him into a giant can. Yeah, it is kind of. Well, it's an oil barrel, an oil, a giant oil barrel, big enough for a robot shark submarine. Yes, yes, and uh, Grimlock is very disappointed because he did not get to punch him. He's sad. Never got. But then he starts yelling, and then he punches the can, and he feels a little. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty great. Bumblebee's like, you feel better. It's like a little bit. It's really good. Grimlock is really good in this episode. He's really adorable. He's a hoot. Yeah. He's trying so hard. Yes. And speaking of trying hard, um, Sideswipe is kind of, sort of, maybe not convincing Steeljaw what's going on, but Steeljaw is at least humoring him, and that gives time f- for Russell to get uh, Strongarm out of these chains. Yes. Steeljaw apparently has not seen a human up to this point, so he's like, what is that thing? Yes. It's, it's native life. Come on. Settle down. And also it turns out that the the prisoners all have tracking devices in their Decepticon symbols. Yeah. So he has clawed his. That is hmm. interesting. Like, was... Which all... Like, I'm curious who made that decision. Yes. And also it has the added effect of making him look like a badass. Yes. Yeah. He's very... Oh yeah, cool. just, these, just these sick claw marks over my Decepticon symbol. Very tough and cool. But also then he can be like, I'm not being a Decepticon, I'm gonna be good now, except I'm not. I'm just pretending. Yes. So he he does get kicked in the head by Strongarm, but he also knocks a giant tree on top of Russell. So she has to save him, and he gets away. (sighs) Alas. He will get to become a recurring character. I mean, they have to have recurring characters at some point. They do, and unfortunately, Hammerstrike will not become one because he is just stuck in this can. Aww, he's. They do make a, a joke about canned tuna at one point. Yes, they do. And then, uh, and then, Sideswipe slips in some mud, and Strongarm catches him. <gasps> Aww. <laughs> and also, it, uh, Hammerstrike is still protesting because the sea. She calls to me. <laughs> Man, I I wonder about like the the budgetary 
Because we've talked before about how it's like a huge budgeting thing to make new character models. And I wonder if it's mm. just a lot cheaper to do in this style. Because I feel like we get a lot more character model. I mean, we do. We get like oh, we do. characters yes. who show up for a single episode. And that's absolutely not something you would have wanted to do in Beast like Beast Wars. So Definitely not. No. I, I will say one thing they do here is, though, is often they will reuse a model. Yeah. yeah. But like for it to make a different guy. Thermidor. Yeah, change the head, maybe change the color scheme. Yes. It does happen. That, but there's still, there's a lot of models. Oh, yeah. It's even just compared to Prime. And it's interesting because they appear to, sh- like, they're, t- like, eventually, um, we're going to see, like, some Viacon show up in the background. Yeah. So, so they, I guess they were able to share those Presumably models. had assets left over. Yeah. At least for the Viacons. Yes. I think they're the only shared design, probably. I'm trying to think. I think, no, I think we see some Insecticons, too. And I yeah. think we see, like, a fake Arachnid. <gasps> like, it's not Arachnid, but there's, like, a background spider person who's, like, orange or something. Uh-huh. Oh. Scare wrecked. So yeah, whatever they do though, it they 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 have very effective models here. Yeah, and uh, I appreciate it. Yeah, and and yeah, so this is sort of this is the template for our episodes of Transformers: Robots in Disguise. Yep, it's time got, for uh, villain of the week. Yep, you got a villain of the week. You got some personal issues between a couple of your cast members. Sometimes you have two villains of the week. Yeah, yeah, A's and B plots. That's right. Although I'm not sure, I guess Steeljaw is the A plot because he's Steeljaw. Yeah, he's he's kind of the meta plot. Mm. Yes, he and he is going to be in this show until the very last episode. Yes. Hmm. So get so you will get your fill of Steeljaw, <laughs> which is still amazing that he only had one deluxe. Yeah, that is crazy. He, I, I think that they really got a handle on how to make those deluxes better by the end of the line. It would have been cooler if he had had an updated one. Yeah, yeah, something like I agree. Oh, here's a power up. Here, have an Energon sword or something. He needed have a better toy. Here. Something needed a fluffier tail. <laughs> they just, just make him flocked. Yes, yes. Give, give no. him a rooted hair to, uh, Transforming tail. Transforming flocked toy. No, yes. no. Do you not remember when there was actually a transforming horse with hair and how horrifying that was? Yes. Well, I I think that was more that the transformation scheme was horrifying, not so much the actual hair. Yeah, well, that, that whole, the engineering of that whole series was a lot. <laughs> yeah, you, you'd, you'd, you'd finish transforming that Ammonite guy and you were pretty sure you were about to summon Pinhead. <laughs> yes. It was bad. It was real bad. Except for Stampy, who was just Transmetal Cheetor. Was it? Well, yes. Wait, uh, was Break in that line? Yes. Break was in that line. Break looks, I don't know, I never got Break, but he looks, looks cute. Admittedly, 80% of his shell ends up on his shoulders, but. Yes. He's basically a pretender. Yes. No. He pretends to be a real Transformer. Oh, yes. burn. Uh, so yeah, this is our. Uh, this is how most of these episodes are going to go, and uh, I thought this was a pretty good one. I think Steeljaw is very compelling. Yeah, and uh, I thought Hammerstrike was fun, although obviously not as deep. Yeah, yeah, I think it's. I I appreciate that we're to a point of adding characterization with silly accents. Uh, I think Steeljaw is a really good ongoing villain, and like I said, he's he's just. I think it's really good when you can write a character who's just that manipulative, who just knows exactly what to say. So it's he's he's good. I look forward to seeing more of him. Yeah, yeah, and, and he's a new villain. Yeah, yes, one. yes, he is a totally new guy. I mean, he has a reused name, but he's not like yeah. the cassette. Yeah, he's not an Autobot cassette who wasn't even that much of a character, but still. No, he, he's a new so, guy uh, who's important and ongoing, and even though the, the shark is nice too, but but he's a one-off. Yeah, mm-hmm. I think. So uh, I believe that now brings us to uh, David's Tokusetsu corner. Yes, this week on Kuku Sentai Gogo Five: The Foreboding Starry Sky. It's a uh, what is it? 
the the alien mom grand witch grandini's yelling at her kids it's like oh dinas is useless kobold's useless salamandines you're in charge now you're you're the youngest but you don't seem like an idiot so he sends out a monster um marionette beast puppet tongue which is a sort of a giant walking flower that purrs Okay. Like its laugh is sort of like a loud purr. It, it's weird. It has tentacles. It uses to control people and have them talk. It, it puppeteers people. Okay. And I guess the tentacles do come out of where its tongue would be on its flower face. Anyway, it, the episode is about um, Blue had an old chi- or high school friend, a girl who's looking at the sky, sees a blank spot in the sky. Oh, there's an asteroid there or something. And then goes to report to scientists who get controlled by the plant puppet tongue. And she trolls to call Blue to tell him about it. It's like, oh, th- there's things, because we, we made a promise when we were younger that w- we're not going to date or anything until you become a professor and I discover, like, a new planet or something. Ooh. <laughs> I want to discover a new planet. And it's like, oh, I discovered an asteroid. That'll do. But it turns out it's a giant negative energy asteroid coming to collide with Earth to power up Grand Witch Grandine so she'll have a full body because she's still cranky about just being a face in a rock. I mean... Which really doesn't sound like fun. Relatable. Yeah. Anyway, there's, there's some stunts involving an exploding bike and why does the monster purr? It's weird. Oh, but Blue builds a new um Go Blaster toy available now. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> Upgraded gun toy weapon. Um, and the episode progresses, kind of predictable, except for the fact that a fight at the end, like, well, the rangers are fighting the, the plant monster, Blue goes off to fight Salamandines and a bunch of imps in an old west ghost town with signs, including, like, says sheriff's office in the green bank and things in English. <laughs> like, it's you just know. this, this, this old shootouts like it's a, a western stunt show set in japan <laughs> maybe they had an old one lying around yeah because i i've seen it in in other shows it's in at least kaku ranger and probably shows up in a bunch of other ones it's just it's weird because they were like fighting in a foggy field and then suddenly blue and salamandines are in this old west town nearby this field and it's just odd like, suddenly it's a western for, like, two minutes? <laughs> it's kind of a cool fight there, but it's just bizarre that it happens, and so there's the sheriff's <laughs> office. Why? Okay. I mean, sometimes I get, I, I feel like the stunt coordinators in these shows just get bored. It's like, we have this old set, let's just use it and have fun. And then it just yeah. fits in the episode wherever. But it, it it's like, this one is just more random than that usually happens. <laughs> like, th- there's there's also, like, uh, an old um, Edo-era Japan feudal-era sets that shows up in a lot of shows, although more often newer shows. And it's usually like, oh, we got time-traveled and we're in the Edo era, which often happens in, like, common Rider movies or something. But well, this it, no it, it's like how It's like how, uh, you know... Uh, Star Trek went mm. uh, had a couple Old West episodes yeah. because, well, we've got these sets. I hate it when that happens, when you just are suddenly in some other time period. Oops. But it, it's just, this one is just so out of left field. Because, like, usually it's like, oh, we're fighting a Western-themed villain or something. Or there's a gimmick of, like, every once in a while there's a gimmick of a monster that, like, controls movies and, like, will change the sets. And we'll have, like, a camera and nonsense like that. But this is just... Walk to the side of a field, ghost town. What? Because it was like not the, there was not any people there. It was just this west. It, it's weird, but eh, okay. Episode eh, they defeat the monster, and in the end, um, Blue. I guess I don't know if he counts as a professor yet or whatever. He's, he's researching shit, and and she discovered thing. Oh, but it, but it wasn't a real aster thing. It, it's a fake alien asteroid. So I didn't want to name it after you. So here's a handshake, and we're gonna keep working until we become professors. And he's just. Okay, I'm I'm friend zoned. What what happened here? It's I think it's supposed to be funny, and it sorta is, but it's just odd. Uh-huh. 
that she's massively into science. And it's like, we can't be together until we've done science. <laughs> okay? That's how I feel, though. You have to do the science yeah. first. Then you can have a relationship. It's like dessert. Okay, so... Uh, we'll be back next week, but until then, you can find us all over the internet. We're on Facebook, we're on Twitter, and we have a Patreon. Yes, we are uh, hosted by IaconUnderground.net, where we have Patreon set up for hosting and other expenses. That is at Patreon.com slash IaconUnderground. Uh, and this month, uh, again, cat, cat, now is not the time to start knocking my dice around, cat, please. <laughs> This month, we have a lot of thoughts about the first episode of of Siege, of uh, Transformers yes. War for Cybertron Trilogy, Episode 1, Siege. Uh, we have many questions that never actually get answered. Oh, so until next time, when... Wait, this can't be right. No, no, no. I'm sorry, this episode is actually called More Than Meets the Eye. What? <laughs> You, wait, you can't have robots in disguise more than meets the eye. That's crossing the streams. It's, it's the dark side. The Retro streams crossing. are crossed. <laughs> it's, it's time for Combiner Wars. And it also basically has nothing to do with the content of the episode. Yes. No. Yeah. Uh, uh. It almost feels like they were just trying to get the title out of the way. Maybe the titles of this, this series were just jumbled up and they, they picked them out of a hat or something. Maybe the titles in this episode were actually just assigned as story prompts. Well, that sort of worked for one of at least one of the Doctor Who series. Kinda. <laughs> it works sometimes. Yeah. Well, half of it. The the dinosaurs on a spaceship episode wasn't as good as the title should have been. All right, or or Mummy on the Orient Express. I kind of like that one. Although that was, that was a pretty good. That was basically it just. Um, oh, what's the one with, um, Christopher Horror Lee Express? Horror Ex it was like Horror Express in space. Which was kind of a good concept, but Horror mm. Express is better because you have Christopher Lee and, um, Peter Cushing? Peter Cushing. Yeah. Alright, so until next time, I'm Rob. I'm Jen. And I'm Jim.